You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. We've heard a lot this year about psychotropics in aged care, and uh, but we haven't heard much about depression and mental health issues. So with me to discuss this is the Professor of Psychology at Swinburne University, uh, Sunil Bar. Sunil, thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure. So, no, I would imagine that for a great many people in or entering aged care, mental health was not talked about as they grew up. Is there a problem with undiagnosed mental health issues in aged care? There's a huge problem with undiagnosed mental health issues in aged care. Look, currently we think that about 50 to 60% of uh, the people who live in residential aged care have um, major depressive disorder, but very few are diagnosed. Um, and so a lot of people have uh, very serious mental health problems, and yet there is very few who are diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And is this, in part, should we be educating the, our elders or elder Aussies themselves about mental health? I think the reasons for the underdiagnosis is quite complex. Uh, I think certainly you know, the older people in our society are less literate about mental health issues. Perhaps there's also a continuing stigma about being diagnosed with mental health mm-hmm. uh, issues. I think the other side of the problem is that the people who are in charge of caring for them professionally might also be less well-trained, and so symptoms are just not picked up. Um, sometimes we hear uh, carers, professional carers say, it's natural to feel depressed when you're old. And so there's a continuation of this stereotype uh, that mental health problems in old age are normal, mm-hmm. um, it shouldn't be diagnosed, and it shouldn't be treated. Now, I know there's probably no consistency throughout the, the sector, but I mean, I guess for those listening, what, what are the more common provisions that are there for mental health in the system at the minute? Is there psychologists on staff or are they readily and freely available? Well, you've just, you've just opened up the hornet's nest right there. <laughs> Even when mental health problems are diagnosed, particularly in residential aged care, there, there are actually very few services to then respond um, at the moment, uh, the frontline service happens to be psychotropics. Mm-hmm. It's very usual for an older resident to be diagnosed and then to be prescribed antidepressants. Yeah. Um, and there, there are, in fact, very, very few non-medication-type therapies uh, readily available and accessible to this population. Perhaps the most frequently available services are those that are called lifestyle services. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, these are services within care that are focused on the social well-being of the resident. Often it involves arts and crafts, uh, taking people out on excursions, organizing for group fun activities. Uh, and the second most common are um, pastoral care ser- services where uh, people are trained to talk about the spiritual care needs of the resident. But there's, there's no real specific service to deal with the mental health care needs of the residents. There are very few psychologists in the system, perhaps only a handful of residential care facilities that employ their own psychologists or counselors. And, um, and, and older people who live in these residential facilities do not have access under Medicare to private psychologists and social workers and so on. Uh, so it's very, very difficult to provide the right sort of non-medication service uh, to these residents. Uh, and now some of the, the things that you just said at the pastoral and life care, they sound like they would help. 
But what yeah. should we? What else should we be doing to reduce depression? Do you think it should be mandated? I mean, post Royal Commission, do you think psychologists should be mandated for uh, aged care facilities? Absolutely mandated. Look, in in some of the other countries that we've explored, such as the U.S. and so on, there are very very creative ways of making sure that there is some specialist in-house to deal with um, residents with mental health care needs. For example, in in the U.S., in many of the U.S. states, uh, some of the larger residential aged care facilities must have a social worker. It's mandated. It's part of the code. In Australia, there's no such code. There is no necessity for residential aged care facilities to employ their own mental health care counselors or psychologists or social workers. Uh, and so this is a this is a gap that we I think we have to address. Um, your university, Swinburne University, uh, they have a, a technologies a Swinburne University of Technologies Elders at Ease program, um, yeah. and you picked up a grant last year for nearly a million dollars to um, look at help improving mental health services. And you ran a trial, I believe, with five hundred residents from over forty facilities in Victoria. Um, what have you seen as the results from this? Have you seen any early findings? Well, the Elders at Ease program is just about to start. In fact, we haven't begun recruiting for that specific project. Oh, okay. But over the over the nine years, we've done pilot projects along those lines. And so the, the million dollars or so that we've just won uh, will allow us to, to evaluate it, evaluate it properly. But, but what, what we've done is we've, over the last um, few years, we've been able to work uh, within residential care facilities where we've put postgraduate psychology students, undergraduate social worker students, postgraduate counselling students in residential care facilities to work with not just the resident but with the facility staff as well as with the families. And we found that the best approach to helping residents is to work systemically, that is to not just work one-on-one with the resident but to work hand-in-hand with the resident's extended care network. And we found that just in a few sessions, the people who have received that counseling have significantly reduced in their depression, have significantly improved in terms of the quality of life, have felt less anxious, and in some cases have felt less suicidal. So we we know that there are therapies that work and can work, but it's such a pity that at least currently the system doesn't mandate that kind of service within care. Uh, Sunil, how much do you expect, if at all, mental health to be talked about in the Royal Commission going forward? And then do you expect to see any changes post-Royal Commission? I think that there are two very significant uh, events that are happening in Australia right now. The first is, as you've put it, the Royal Commission. I think mental health care needs and mental health uh, care gaps are going to be talked about. But the second event that has happened is that in last year's May budget, 2018's budget, uh, there was a provision of something like $80 million reserved for mental health services within residential care facilities. So I think preempting the Royal uh, Commission will see primary health care networks, these are PHNs, tendering for services for mental health uh, care needs to be addressed within residential care facilities. So what does this mean? So I think in the next few months, we'll start to see tenders where PHNs are going to be calling for psychologists, social workers, OTs, mental health care nurses to work within residential care facilities. So this is kind of a very optimistic time, as I see it, for mental health care within residential facilities. Well, Sunil, thanks very much for joining us. I appreciate your time. Pleasure. Thank you.